With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to June's podcast series on one month to better investigations and internal reportings. So what do you do when the call, the email, or the personal tip comes into your office where an employee reports suspicious activity somewhere literally across the globe? That activity might well turn into a Foreign Corrupt Practices Act issue for your company. In today's climate, it can turn into issues under lots of different anti-corruption jurisdictions. The Brazilian Clean Companies Act, the UK Bribery Act, or even domestic anti-corruption laws, such as brought GSK to bear in China. As the Chief Compliance Officer, it will be up to you to begin the process, which will determine, in many instances, how your company will respond going forward and will set the tone throughout this most difficult period. This month's podcast series will provide to you all the steps you need to consider going forward. I'm going to take a look at independent versus in-house investigations, investigation protocols, the different resources that a compliance practitioner may bring to bear in an investigation, such as internal audit, IT, and legal. And I'll take a look at special issues such as privilege, Upjohn and Miranda warnings, data privacy, and of course, the Yates memo and its effect. I think you will learn a lot this month if you follow this podcast series. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to the June podcast series. Day 20, hotlines, staying out of hot water in other jurisdictions. How do you stay out of hot water in various jurisdictions outside the United States regarding hotlines and anonymous reporting? I found a very useful guide to help navigate the challenges of setting up a multinational whistleblower hotline as is required under the FCPA and UK Bribery Act in an article entitled, How to Launch and Operate a Legally Compliant International Workplace Report Channel, which I would, of course, call a hotline. The majority of the article analyzes the six categories of laws that can restrict hotlines abroad, focusing on compliance. I'm going to go through these six categories and ask you to consider these in the context of your own anonymous reporting. So what are the six areas? Well, number one, laws which mandate whistleblower protection. This group of laws comprises mandates that require the setting up of whistleblower hotlines in the first place. Obviously, it includes Sarbanes-Oxley in the United States, Dodd-Frank, as well as other jurisdictions' laws which have general whistleblower protections from retaliation, but do not require any hotlines be set up on a company-wide basis. Most interestingly, there are a couple of countries, specifically Norway and Liberia, which require general receiving and processing of hotline tips, which are in the general interest disclosure category. Number two, laws promoting denunciations to government authorities. This category of laws relates to the legal argument for the reporting of illegal acts to government authorities in two ways. First, these laws encourage whistleblowing to governments, which then complete the uh, 
compete with the employer hotlines by enticing internal whistleblowers to divert denunciations from the company compliance experts over to outside enforcers who indict white-collar criminals. This approach is found in Dodd-Frank, which offers bounties. Second, these laws, laws that require, as opposed to merely encourage government denunciations, rarely accept or exempt corporate hotline sponsors. These laws, therefore, force hotline sponsors to divulge hotlines' allegations over to law enforcement. The second approach is found in Sarbanes-Oxley, which requires an employee to offer internal hotline procedures. Number three, laws restricting hotlines specifically. This category is exemplified by European data protection laws, which acts to restrict companies' freedom to launch and operate reporting programs. These laws are based on the facts that based upon the historical anomaly that Europeans tend to see hotlines as threatening privacy rights of denounced targets and witnesses. Clearly, this would be in response to the totalitarian past of many countries, particularly around the World War II era. The four biggest hurdles to set up to frustrate hotlines in the EU jurisdiction are restrictions against hotlines accepting anonymous reporting, limits on the universe of proportionate infractions, on which a hotline can accept reporting, limits on who can use a hotline and who can be reported by hotline, as opposed to directly or in person, and finally, hotline registration requirements. Number four, laws prohibiting hotline retaliation, or whistleblower retaliation, I should say. This category will be familiar to the U.S. compliance practitioner through the application of such laws as Sarbanes-Oxley, Dodd-Frank, and numerous state whistleblower statutes. Yes, many states have whistleblower statutes that you need to be aware of. Additionally, numerous jurisdictions have such laws. The key is communication because in many countries and foreign jurisdictions, there is no uh, tradition to protect persons who make reports against superiors so that an employer needs to overcome worker fear of reprisal for whistleblowing. Number five, laws regulating internal investigations. Typically, laws on internal investigations do not impact hotlines because a hotline is a pre-investigation tool. However, communication by the employer is critical in complying with laws which enact procedural safeguards for persons under investigation. Heavy-handed communications about a hotline can blow back against employers and claims by employees that the employer rigged the investigation process. So companies should ensure that communications about hotlines do not convey an overzealous approach to complaint processing, and investigations. Obviously, this bumps up against the requirement under the Yates memo that companies uh, immediately investigate individuals and turn that information over to the uh, Department of Justice for uh, credit going forward. Nevertheless, uh, it is an internal or a cons- inconsistency you may have to deal with. And number six, law silent on but possibly triggered by whistleblower hotlines. <clears throat> The category is this, uh, rather the title of this category is clearly um, necessarily vague and difficult to determine which laws may uh, fall into it. Nevertheless, uh, most likely candidates are data protection laws, which are silent on hotlines, and labor laws imposing negotiation duties for work rules. Regarding the former, hotlines are not databases but conduits for transmittal of information. Nevertheless, EU data privacy laws reject this distinction and treat hotlines as if they were databases where information is stored. Um, 
The labor law issue is also tricky and may turn on the interpretation of whether the institution of a hotline is viewed as a substantive change in working conditions under a labor union agreement and therefore subject to collective bargaining. If it is, that means uh, you would have to have the union's agreement uh, to put it into the contract once again, and this may bump up against not only your obligations under Dodd-Frank and Sarbanes-Oxley, but uh, the uh, specifications laid out in the Yates memo. So what are today's... uh, So what are today's three key takeaways? Well, first of all, you need to understand the jurisdiction that your hotline is in or going through so that uh, you will understand the binding law of the specific authority, i.e. jurisdiction in question. Number two, anonymous data. This is uh, something that can be very tricky because it's required under the United States law, but it may be prohibited in the uh, jurisdiction where your hotline is going through. And number three, must you disclose the data to regulators? This is really an unusual twist. Uh, The issue in the United States would be self-disclosure, but in some countries you may have to do so. This is Tom Fox. I hope you have enjoyed day 20 of one month to better investigations and reporting, and you'll join me tomorrow for day 21. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate the podcast as it would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about the only one-month podcast series to a better compliance program. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much again for listening, and I hope you'll join me again for one month to better investigations and reporting. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.